Welcome to Dogma, the podcast. It's with me, Mike Graham. And me, Kevin O'Sullivan. It's about his dogs, about my dogs, about your dogs. We'll be doing it every week, occasionally with a celebrity guest. Welcome back to another sparkling edition of the new Dogma podcast with myself, Mike Graham, and Kevin O'Sullivan. And Kevin, uh, we've got another star guest this week. Very excited this week, yes. Uh, we have the star of uh, Going Back a Few Years, Ever Decreasing Circles, Downton Abbey, and currently Ricky Gervais's second series of the number one smash hit Netflix comedy drama, Afterlife. It's none other than Peter Egan. Hello, Peter. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very well indeed. Thank you so much for joining us. We've it's been. Great uh... pleasure. You, you may have heard a dog bark in the background then. If you did, it's one of the five <laughs> I currently live with. Yes, Kevin was telling me that you've got an awful lot of dogs. How come you've got so many? Well, uh, well my wife, Myra, and I have sort of lived with a pack of dogs now for about 20 years. Um, and we rescue them. So, um, and of course, if you rescue dogs, you always end up having more than you start, wanted. Or no, more than you intended to have. Um, so, uh, uh, at most, we've had seven, right. and now we've kind of settled at around five, but they are all of um, varying grand ages, going downwards from about 13 to eight at the moment. Can you go back, can you go back Peter, to when you first got your first rescue dog? Was that a, a life-changing moment? Can you tell us about yeah, what um, happened? I think it... Um, yes, it was not the first one. Um, I think um, about the fifth or sixth one became life-changing. Um, but uh, the, uh, I think, as I've discussed with you before, Kevin, um, I, when I first I resisted having a dog until I was forty, and that was um, <laughs> sadly many, many years ago. Thirty-three years ago, I'm seventy-three now. And um, I was very, very focused on my career and uh, didn't feel I had time for a dog until I was 40 and had kind of established myself. And, um, and then I, I, I kind of gave in to the demands of Rebecca, our daughter, and my wife, Myra. Um, Rebecca had been left leaving Christmas lists like dog collar, dog bed, <laughs> um, dog food, um, until finally, after four or five Christmases, Myra said, you're, you're not getting um, the message, Father Christmas, are you? And I said, what message are you talking about? And she said, well, Rebecca would really love to have a dog. Uh, I said, oh, that's why we, all those things, I couldn't quite get that. Anyway, so um, this, this is as a result of thinking too much of you, about yourself, really. Um, so finally, we, I relented, and, and we got a beautiful black labby, called Crackers. Um, this is 33 years ago, and so, of course, sadly, she's no longer with us. Um, we had cats at the time, but cats always seemed to be much easier and more independent than dogs, um, so I, I wasn't um, so concerned about having cats. But anyway, um, we, we, uh, we went to a breeder and we got um, Crackers, and I thought, oh, this is wonderful. Dogs are just great. I really liked Crackers hugely. And then um, about a year and a half later, we were living in West London at the time, and just outside the Ballet Rambert on the Chiswick High Road, a blonde Labrador collapsed in front of my wife, and she brought the dog home. And it was the most beautiful dog who'd been on the streets. Obviously, its owner had either died or was abandoned. And it was uh, quite an old blonde Labrador with the most wonderful personality. And Myra said, we, have, we, must, we must have to keep this dog. And I, I said, look, we've already got one dog. I, I don't think I can deal with a second dog. 
And uh, this dog, uh, we called her Custard, um, him rather, he, he, he always used to come and sit next to me at the dining table and look at me with these wonderful big brown <laughs> eyes. And whenever I was talking about keeping him, I had to put my hands over his eyes so that, and speak with a low voice, hoping he wouldn't pick up what I was saying. <laughs> anyway, I lost that battle, and we ended up with, with, with Custard and Crackers. And um, then we moved to, um, to North London, to Hampstead. And um, uh, not long after that, poor old Custard um, uh, kicked the bucket because he, 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 he was quite old, as I'd said. And then Crackers, having had a mate for quite a few years, suddenly became very lonely. So um, someone said, um, why, why don't you rescue a dog? And up until that point, you know, like lots of people, I hadn't even thought about rescue and didn't even know the world of rescue, didn't know anything about the problems of dogs and abandonment and cruelty and all the things that, you know, happen um, in, in our world with people and animals. Anyway, I, I was persuaded to go to a, a lovely uh, shelter in Watford called the National Animal Welfare Trust. And um, and suddenly I was introduced to this world of, of, of rescue. And it just so happened that this absolutely magnificent Labrador, we seem to have had a thing for Labradors at the time, this very blonde Labrador suddenly popped up in the cage and seemed ideal. Um, so we rescued um, uh, Sam, as, as, as we called him, and, and brought him back home. And he and Crackers got on immediately very well. And Sam was a dog who was about a year and a bit and had been uh, bought um, by a, a, a young mother who obviously was looking for a bit of a, a friend for her baby or, or herself. But this poor dog um, had never moved out of their flat. When we got it, the dog's pads were still pink. Wow. And when I took oh. the dog out, took uh, Sam out for a walk for the first time, he sort of jumped off the floor because he'd never really mm. been, you know, sort of on a hard, grassy, stony floor um, before. And um, anyway, he, he became a fantastic member of the family. And... This is quite a long story, getting to the one that really touched me. But are you happy for that, or do you want me to it's hit more get a shaggy that dog story? No, no we good. like it. No, it's good. You, you do okay. So anyway, so uh, so we had Sam and Sam and Crackers. Um, Sam was always very, very deferential to, to Crackers. It was a wonderful dog because um, Crackers being the, the first dog there. Um, and they, they got on terribly well together. And I became rather taken by this shelter, and so I started doing their fates and stuff like that. And, um, and I started to visit the shelter regularly, and I started to learn about um, this strange world of, um, of rescue and abandonment, as I said. And um, I was going around their cattery one day, being shown around by a lovely old woman called Enid, uh, Myra was with me, and, and uh, in the cattery, so I was looking at and suddenly this plastic sort of um, bucket ran across the floor in, in front of me, uh, apparently on its own. And I said to Enid, well, oh, that's, I, I said, what's that? Is, is that a mobile bucket or something? And they said, they, she said, no, that's a little dog, a little puppy. And so I said, can I have a look? And she said, well, he's very nervous. So I said, okay. So I just tilted the, the rim of the bucket and, and peered under. And within a second, I, there was a, a sweet kind of growl and then some teeth which attached themselves to my beard. <laughs> and as I pulled my head back, attached to it was this absolutely fantastic, tiny, 
um, Spolly, Spaniel, Spaniel Collie Cross. And, and as I pulled back, he still had his, his teeth on my beard. And I turned to Myra and I said, I, I think I've just been chosen. <laughs> and so I could literally, literally just fit this beautiful dog into my hand. Um, I mean, his legs flopped over either side, of course, but he was a tiny, tiny little thing, a black coat with a white bib. So I, I called him DJ, mm. short for dinner jacket. And um, and Myra at the same time had spotted in this cattery an, another kind of fra- frail dog, a lurcher whippet, which she called Finn. And so we decided we'd have these these two dogs. So we brought these two dogs home, and um, they were wonderful. Finn was very kind of nervous, and uh, but settled down very well. And DJ was just the most extraordinary. Um, ebullient, sort of charmingly dominant dog, and as DJ sort of grew, um, I, I, he became my gatekeeper. Really, I, I, he, he was remarkable. <laughs> like I think it was the spaniel in him. Yeah. So Peter, it sounds as though you've had this amazing history with dogs. You've, you've only got really to the third one so far. So we've got a few more to hear about. Indeed, absolutely. Yeah. So tell us some more. Okay, so as I said, well, DJ became my gatekeeper. I mean, he was, uh, uh, he really set me on the path of, I always use the term rights when I say animal. Of course, animal welfare is a a very embracing name and a very important one, but you can't have animal welfare, I believe, just like you can't have human welfare without rights. So I I am an animal rights activist as well as a welfareist. Mm. And um, it it was DJ who really set me on the track, the path of animal rights, because when I used to look in his eyes, I thought I I just saw all other animals. and And he was so fantastically communicative with me. Um, and such a great friend. And, uh, you know, I would, when I came home, if I'd been, had a stressful day, you sat down and have a drink, he would always be sitting next to me on the sofa and he'd always put his paw on my lap or on my arm mm. and have a look and, you know, as, as if to say, and I know it's fanciful, this, but I mean, I believe this kind of, you know, this contact exists. Anyone who's had a great relationship with a dog will know what I mean. And I'm sure you do. I know you do, Kevin. He really grounded me as well as open opened up my sensibilities to all other animals. Um, and then we, by this time, we had sort of, we, we now had four boys, and both Myra and I thought we should have a girl just to kind of settle them down. Well, of course. So um, we went to the NAWT, and our great friend there, Franca, said, well, we've just had um, four collie crosses, and I, but at this time, of course, I was mad about collie crosses, she said, we just had four brought in, so, you know, there'll be one there that you will love. And so they, we said, yeah, great. And we, but we, I mean, we're not being particular here, but we have four boys. We feel we should have a girl. And Frank said, great, I'll bring you the girl. So in she came, and there was this magnificent puppy again, only about nine weeks old, eight weeks old, again, dumped as they all are, and the, the, the smelling of urine and everything. And, and the dog came in and, and jumped into Myra's arms. And Myra said, oh, this, is, this dog's wonderful. And, um, and we spent some time, and then we said to Frankie, yes, um, that this, this will, be, will be great. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll take her. And um, then Franca took her back and said, oh, um, it, it, it's not a her, it's a he. And, and, and we said, 
we were looking for a her. And she said, I know, but this one was the first one that jumped into my arms when I went into the, into the cage. So I thought I'd bring, and it was a him. And so we now ended up with, with four boys, five boys. Um, and this, this one, he was, Tucker was magical and so sad that we only had him for about eight years because he had epile- he developed epilepsy and then he had a brain hemorrhage and we lost him in the middle of the night um, eight years later. But in, in, in the interim, during that eight years, we called him Tucker because he loved his food so much. <laughs> and he, he was the most remarkable dog. He, the collie in him, um, whenever I walked on the heath with all the dogs, and, of course, the other dogs all went in their separate directions. But, you know, the dogs always keep their eye on you and keep coming back. But what Tucker would do when I was walking on West Heath, um, the dogs would go in, in, in four different directions. He would go to each dog independently, uh, chase one, come back, touch my hand, go after the other one, come back, touch my hand. And he just touched it with his snout as if to say, I've got my eye on all of them, don't worry. Right. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask you, Peter, because you sort of seamlessly moved from having one dog to suddenly five, and, 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 and five hundred. Yeah, um, and and I was going to ask if they did they get get themselves into a sort of pack group, and do they have a leader, and does a leader emerge or or not? Well, uh, everyone says that you know, um, you've got to be the alpha male, or you've got to be the alpha dog with these dogs because mm. they need a leader. I mean, really, you are. Humans, human animals are leaders anyway to creatures on four legs because they look at you on two legs and think, well, this must be a leader, whoever they are, because they can walk on two legs and not four. Mm. Um, So, but I never worked on that system of being an alpha uh, dog because I, I, I figured that all I want is to 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 create a home that they because they all come from such a bad past. I want to create a home that they are confident and feel loved and, and are happy and have fun in. So by creating that environment, um, you create a security and you become a natural leader, I suppose, um, just by providing for these wonderful creatures the things that they need. Because um, dogs, unlike children, they never grow up and they're with you when you take on a, a dog that's why it's so important to know what you're doing when you take on a dog and to research it and never to do it impulsively is you 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 are taking something on for the rest of its life and that can be anything from 8 10 15 years you know the, a couple of our dogs have lived just for over 15 just before their 16th birthday mm-hmm. so it's a long long commitment and because you are providing um, for them, they can't do anything without you, basically. They don't exercise without you. They don't eat without you. They don't, you know. So you become the pack leader just by, by in, in a role sense, mm. because they look to you for everything. So I, I, I say that apropos the fact that, you know, people say you've got to, you know, create a dominant situation and you've got to, you know, you know, give a, a bit of a, show them a bit of aggression or a bit of something mm. like that, whatever, whatever creates an alpha. I mean, there is a natural thing in, in the wild. Alphas are the, the strongest predators and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, in a, a domestic situation, the alpha is the heart of the family, I suppose. And, um, so, uh, but and I love that as a structure much more than the idea of being aggressive within that. So, yes, I be- I became or my wife became the centre of their yeah. lives, and therefore the people that they follow, and therefore you become 
the 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 alpha animal within the group i mean there is it's fantastic i have to say living with a pack of animals i just love it <laughs> and so does my wife because on the one hand it keeps you incredibly busy but on the other hand when you've had a walk and when you the dogs have been fed and when they've you know sort of sorted themselves out and they all decide around the same time to have a sleep mm. it's like someone sort of breathes a kind of sedated air towards you because you find you relax entirely yeah. it's a, it's a fantastic um uh, are, situation dogs are dogs in. are funny aren't they they're funny say again? The people say, pe dogs are funny people say oh, to me are, they have the most wonderful sense of humor yeah, yeah. Yeah. People say to me, what, what, what do you get out of a dog? I said, well, if nothing else, uh, my dog, all my dogs have always made me absolutely piss myself laughing about yeah. three or four <laughs> times a day. So there is that appeal. The sheer fun of owning dogs, I think, is something that non-dog owners mm. don't realize don't, or understand. Don't get it at all. It's so sad that they're missing. I, talking about um, humor in dogs, you know, I worked with Richard Briars for a long time who was I think it's just a great comedian yeah. and a great actor yes, as well. Yeah. But I, w when we were doing ever-decreasing circles, he used to do quite a lot of double takes. And I, and I said to him one time, I said, um, I said, Dickie, you do the best double takes, you know. They're, they're incredible because, you know, they, they, they don't look um, manufactured. They're so instinctive. Mm. And they're always funny. I said, how do, you, how, do you, how do you develop it? And he looked at me and he said, Fred. <laughs> I said, Fred, Fred who? He said, Fred. I said, is he an actor? He said, no, he's my dog. <laughs> I, I, said, I said, what do you mean? I said, if you want to learn how to, he said, if you want to learn how to do a double take, watch your dog. Because <laughs> if you true. put two dogs together and you, you give one their food and the other their food, and the second one is their food is more than the first one, you'll see a dog do a double take that will make you laugh. And it's absolutely true. They just check it and say, has he got more than me? Or, or, hey, hey. You know, and it's so instinctive and, uh, and, and so complete. And, it, and as you're right, it, it is incredibly funny. My dogs it make is. me laugh every day. It is very funny. I've got a Labrador um, as well, Peter, and you were talking about the early Labradors that you had. And he's got a friend who comes over from time to time who's also a Labrador. And whenever the friend's Labrador comes over, my dog Ziggy sort of pretends he's in charge. You know, he's not really in charge, but he kind of pretends he is. And then when we go to their house, it's the other way around. So they obviously have this kind of friendship together um, yeah. but, and a kind of almost respect for each other. It's like, well, if I'm at your place, I'll do what you want. Uh, but Absolutely. When, but, but, you know, when, when, uh, when you come to mine, I'm, I'm going to tell you what to do, you know. Isn't it, it's the best kind of friendship, that, isn't it? And yeah. It's also, it's the, it's the heart of diplomacy. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. <laughs> so when in Labrador land, do as the Labrador. Although what we have to do, we have to feed one of them outside and one of them inside. So, but I'm going to try that double take thing and see the next time they come no, they uh, to see how that goes. Because otherwise, Ziggy is a bit more rude than, than, than his friend Boris. And he'll just eat whatever he sees. And so yeah, he, but he's a Labrador. Yeah, oh, he's a Labrador. I mean, he just wants to eat everything, right? Including the car. I think that um, uh, we mustn't let you go without reflecting on what I think is the wisdom of dogs, things you can learn from your dogs. 
uh, and that the, the amazing ability they have to just live in the moment. Yeah, amazing. You know, that is, everything is spontaneous. No matter how much, how many times you take them on the same walk, they're always thrilled by it. Uh, they're <laughs> excited by everything, and uh, you can look at your dog like Richard Bryars looked at his dog and learned how to do double takes. Absolutely. You can look at your yeah, dog and I think right. learn do, a lot I mean, about life. How to teach live. you to forgive. They teach you to live in the moment, and they teach you to have absolutely no ego at all. Mm. I mean, I, I just think they're the most wonderful companions. Look, if, if, if my time is running out, I'm just going to name for you my remaining one, two, three, four dogs. Yes. Um, and Tucker, sadly, is no longer with us. As I said I, to you, I, I lost him. Funnily enough, I, I lost him I, I, it was when I was filming A Midsummer Night's Murders. And um, we lost him at um, 3.30 in the morning, and I was picked up at 5.30 to go and film for the day. And I was in a daze um, for the whole of the day's filming. I can't remember anything about it. He was one of the greatest losses of our life, a wonderful oh, yeah. dog. But we now have Megan, who is a, a staffy we rescued from a, a puppy farm. And we have Cassie, a Labrador, that we've rescued from a puppy farm. And we got a dog that I now, uh, who has stolen my heart like Pippa, uh, like a DJ, that's Pippa, who's a Staffy Cross. We've got Titus, who's a small German shepherd from Sarajevo, and Boo, who is wow. a Staffy Cross. Um, and they all get on like a house on fire with the most magical um, mixture of personalities. And I do feel incredibly, incredibly gifted to have them all in my life. And as you say, Kevin, um, when you have five dogs teaching you to live in the moment, you really do live in the moment. Yeah. I can't imagine you have time to do anything else, to be honest, Peter. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, they inspire me to do so many yes. other things. Wonderful. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much, Peter. It's um, a great pleasure as ever. And we'll see Thank you, you soon. Peter. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. Bye. Good luck to you. Take care. Thank you. What an amazing story, Kevin. I, mean, good, imagine, it, yeah. um, I can't imagine. Um, I mean, I've, I don't think I've had more than three dogs in my house at any one time, but I can't imagine what having five would be like. Yeah, well, I, think, I, think, I think when I first knew, I think he had seven or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, has he got a big house? Where do they all sleep? Well, he used to live around here, around Hampstead Way, but he's moved down uh, near Chertsey, Weybridge, around there. Okay, you know, so he's probably so got He's, he's always lived near places where you can take them out for walks and mm. all that. Unbelievable stuff. Well, we've come to the end of another exciting episode. Uh, more to come next week, and uh, we'll see you then. We'll be back next week with some more dog stories, shaggy dog stories, and just general dog stories. But uh, if you've got any questions for us, well, we've got a new Twitter account that you can post the questions on. Kevin, tell them what it is. At Dogma the Podcast.